Welcome to Reproductive Left, produced in collaboration by Community Radio WERU and Mabel Wadsworth Center, a feminist, client-centered, sexual and reproductive health care provider in Bangor, Maine. I'm your host, Abby Strout. On each show, we speak with local experts to explore issues that impact our sexual and reproductive health. Topics include, but aren't limited to, reproductive rights, access to health care, feminism, LGBTQ rights, and women's sexuality. We wrap up each show with our Ask Mabel segment, where we answer your sexual and reproductive health questions. For more information on Mabel Wadsworth Center or to listen to past episodes, visit MabelWadsworth.org. You can also find Reproductive Left on WERU.org in the archives, on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks for tuning in. Good afternoon, and thanks for tuning in. April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and today we are going to be discussing sexual assault on college campuses. To give us a little background on the subject before the interview, where we will discuss services offered at the local University of Maine, I collected some statistics from RAIN, the largest anti-sexual violence organization in the country. So here are some of the statistics. Among undergraduate students, 23.1% of females and 5.4% of males experience rape or sexual assault through physical force, violence, or incapacitation. 21% of transgender, genderqueer, or gender nonconforming college students have been sexually assaulted. Only 20% of student victims ages 18 to 24 report to law enforcement compared to 32% of non-student females of the same age. And students are at increased risk during the first few months of school of their first and second semesters in college. Joining me today is Ariana Sessoms, a graduate student at the University of Maine who works to end sexual violence on campus and provides services to survivors. Ariana studies student development in higher education. She works on campus in the Office of Sexual Assault and Violence Prevention, providing outreach and educational programming to the campus community around issues such as sexual assault, relationship violence, consent, and Title IX. She's originally from Virginia, where she received her BA in Psychology and Environmental Studies from James Madison University. The University of Maine's Office of Sexual Assault and Violence Prevention works to promote a safe community for everyone. They strive to reduce sexual assault, relationship violence, and stalking by encouraging healthy and consensual relationships. Hi, Ariana. Welcome to Reproductive Left, and thank you for being on the episode with me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Can you start by just telling our listeners a bit about the Sexual Assault and Violence Prevention Program at the University of Maine and then your role within the um, program or organization? Absolutely. So our office here, um, I believe, sort of got started or shifted to where it is now in 2012, I believe. Um, And my supervisor, Elizabeth Lavoy, she works as our Deputy Title IX Coordinator. Um, So what she does is she works a lot with students who have filed complaints regarding gender discrimination of any kind, um, but mostly we focus a lot on sexual assault, dating violence, domestic violence, stalking, and sexual harassment. Um, So she helps students with any support that they need, any resources that they need, um, all of that stuff, any questions that they have, she's the one that they usually go to. 
Um, my position is brand new as of last year. So I'm the graduate assistant. What I do is more of the prevention side. So she does a lot of intervention. I do a lot of education, programming, going out into the community, working with student organizations, residence life, um, just as many people on campus as I can to kind of let people know that our office exists and what we do. Um, and then also letting people know about consent and providing them all the information they need so we can sort of prevent these issues as much as possible, um, but also let people know that we're a resource in case they do happen and that we're here for them. Um, so that's kind of how we got started and where we are now. Um, we just added on um, a new position, Scott Helmke. He also works in our office. He does investigations. He does prevention programming as well. So um, it's great to have that extra position here. Um, and he just started in the fall. I wanted to also talk a little bit about Title IX, mm -hmm. which I think you kind of touched on when you said you um, have services for lots of kinds of discrimination. Mm -hmm. So Title IX is the federal law prohibiting discrimination on the basis of sex in education. Can you talk a little bit about how um, Title IX impacts the work that you do? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So Title IX is a lot of why we do the work that we do. Um, so we're obligated under Title IX and the Violence Against Women's Act, um, Women Act to make sure that we provide education to students on campus and to make sure that everyone's treated fairly, that they all have an equal opportunity um, here on campus. So we have to make sure that people aren't experiencing gender discrimination and sexual assault and all of those issues are included under that because of the effect that they have on students. Um, often students will drop out of school or not feel safe in the residence hall and have to leave or things like that. So it really creates um, an unequal um, atmosphere for them where they can't engage in the same activities as other people. Um, so under Title IX, we're obligated to make sure that we make this um, a safe space that we are providing equal opportunity for all students on our campus. Um, and also for anyone else, we work with the Equal Opportunity Office on campus and they uh, specialize in similar issues, but with employees, staff members, faculty members, anyone that's not just a student. Um, so we all kind of make sure everyone on campus is safe. So yeah, Title IX really regulates a lot of making sure that we're doing our job correctly and that we have what we need to have um, to make sure that students and everyone else feel safe and that they are getting the resources that they need to get their education and to do whatever they need to do while they're here. So earlier today I was reading about an article in the main campus about the Women's Resource Center um, that no longer exists at the university and mm -hmm. part of that was the Safe Campus Project where mm -hmm. um, students had confidential services mm -hmm. um, who've, who had had um, who are sexual assault victims. Mm -hmm. So my understanding from that article is that the confidential services are no longer available at mm -hmm. the university. Can you kind of explain the mandated reporting piece? Absolutely, yeah. So under Title IX um, and the new regulations with that, that was why um, the Women's Center was here before I was, so I'm not too familiar with everything that was going on with that. Um, but that has a lot to do with why that position of uh, the confidential advocate doesn't really exist um, so much in that capacity. Um, but with Title IX, you have to make sure that everyone on campus who is an employee or like a peer educator or an RA um, in that sort of role is a mandated reporter so that if they get word that someone has experienced gender discrimination, if they've been sexually assaulted or in a dating violence situation, anything like that, that they have to report that information to our office. 
Um, and what we do is we reach out to those students or those individuals and make sure they have the resources that they need, make sure we let them know that we're here. If they want to talk to us, they don't have to. If they want to file a complaint, you know, again, they don't have to. Um, but we're just here to reach out to them and make sure that they know that. Um, so it's not like we're forcing them to report or anything like that. We're just letting them know that we heard that this is happening, so we are obligated to reach out and let them know that we plan to take it seriously if it's something that you want to take further. Um, so I think that's a great thing that Title IX makes it so that um, we have to, you know, be very proactive, I would say, um, is how it works. And of course, there's issues with every sort of regulation and issues with confidentiality and how people want to come forward and if they do and things like that. But that's really what uh, what it's for. So we're sort of obligated to report that information. So we do have um, places that we work with. We work really close with Rape Response Services and uh, Spruce Run, who will be changing their names for Partners for Peace. Um, and they are confidential resources. We work with our counseling center and our health center, who are also confidential. So we do offer that to students. Um, of course, that's after we already get word and we know what's going on. But we make sure that we let people know these are confidential resources. If you don't want to report or don't want to disclose any information at all, that's totally fine. Here are people you can go to and your information won't go anywhere. So we try to make sure that that's an option because that's really important for people is to have that confidentiality. And we totally respect that. There are just certain obligations that we have mm -hmm. um, to make sure that we're providing that for other people. Um, can you? So earlier you said that you do a lot of the community engagement with the students. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about some of the services or the educational programs that you offer? Yeah, absolutely. So I do um, a lot of outreach, uh, just letting people know that we're here and what resources that we provide. Um, sometimes I go to classrooms, um, lots of first year classrooms, and give them like a 30 minute presentation about here's what we are, here's what your rights are as a student, here's information about consent that you need to know. Um, all of that stuff. I also do a lot of training. Um, so I've trained uh, UMPD, the Humane Police Department. I've trained um, residence life staff, uh, graduate assistants, teaching assistants, so lots of different departments on campus so that they know what Title IX what is, what that means for them, what mandatory reporting is, all of that stuff. Um, so making sure they all know that. And then, of course, just regular programming. I try to do fun stuff, talk about safe sex, talk about consent as much as possibly can. Um, we have a lot of events coming up for Sexual Assault Awareness Month in April. Every April we try and do a lot of events trying to raise awareness um, as much as we can, as well as in October we do Domestic Violence Awareness Month, January is Stalking Awareness Month. So, uh, of course, throughout the year we do programming, but we definitely want to hit those months and make sure that we're getting as much information out as possible. Um, and also anything that other organizations want to do. Um, there are different organizations on campus that do a lot of great work around sexual assault prevention and around consent and safe sex and healthy relationships. So I try and partner with them so we can get as many people at these events as possible. Even the Multicultural Center, the Rainbow Resource Center, um, we do a lot of stuff together too. So it's really good to have all these different partners on campus to get all the word out. But we try and be as visible as possible and it's a hard topic for some people um, to get them interested in coming to events. So I try to make them fun and try to make the conversation a little light so at least people will get their foot in the door so we can get talking about it and get the education. So. If you are just tuning in, you're listening to Reproductive Left, produced in collaboration by Mabel Wadsworth Center and Community Radio WERU. 
On the show with me today is Ariana Sessoms from the Office of Sexual Assault and Violence Prevention Program at the University of Maine. While today's show focuses on sexual assault on college campuses, we know that it can impact anyone in our community, regardless of age, sexual orientation, gender, or economic resources. If you need support, do not hesitate to reach out. And before we get back to the interview, I'd like to provide a few resources. If you're in the Bangor area, you can reach Rape Response Services at 1-800-310-0000. For anyone in Maine, you can find support at 1-800-871-7741. And if you're listening online, there's a nationwide support hotline, 1-800-656-HOPE. So a lot of students come to the university without having a great sexuality education. Have you found, what have you found um, is the students' understanding of consent? Have you found that people generally have a good understanding of it, or is it something that, is, that um, needs to be talked about? It's tough. It is tough. I think people hear sexual assault and they hear consent and they think they know exactly what that means and you know why would you want to have sex with someone who doesn't want to have sex with you that's just their immediate thought but I think there's a lot of misconceptions and myths that we get from the media that we get from friends and family that we get from other resources that sort of cloud like a common sense basic understanding Um, and so I think it is a struggle to see people thinking that they know what consent is when they're a little misguided. Um, So I have seen that um, people who don't understand that sexual assault can occur in relationships, that it can occur in marriages, um, not really knowing what it looks like in some situations, and alcohol. Alcohol plays a huge role in sexual assault. And because alcohol is so big on college campuses, people don't often make those connections. They think, you know, if the person was drinking on their own terms and then they engage in sex that that was completely consensual and it's so hard having that conversation with college students about the degree of intoxication and sexual assault and predatory behaviors and all of these things so you would think that people would know more but unfortunately it's it's really hard to to grasp for a lot of people given the just cultural norms that we have and social norms that we have so um You know, and again, there are those people who are interested in this kind of stuff. And so whenever we do the programs, they're there. They know all the information. But it's the people who don't think it's a big deal or who aren't very interested are the ones who aren't getting the information. And it's really hard to to reach out to those groups. But we try our best. (laughs) Really want to, to get as many people as we can in every way that we can so people know that maybe there are things that they don't know or things that they think they know that they're not right about. I saw on the your website that you also have a bystander intervention program or something. What is that about? Yeah, well, that um, is mostly through the student wellness um, group. So they do a lot of bystander intervention trainings um, with the, the people that work there. So we try and collaborate. I'll actually be collaborating with them um, sometime in April to do one for uh, the undergraduate population. Um, which I think we definitely, definitely want more of. Bystander intervention is huge. Um, and I think I do definitely talk about it at all of my presentations that I do with students. And I think that's something that can really resonate with people because if you're in a situation, you might not know what to do or how to feel. But if you see it's happening to someone else, I feel like people are more likely to, to notice those red flags and to, 
know when something's up. So we definitely try and advocate for bystander intervention as much as possible. Um, The discussion of sexual assault on college campuses is something that's really increasing in our just... um, just our awareness as a culture, mm-hmm. I think. Um, have you? Do you know how the University of Maine compares to other universities? Mm-hmm. Um, like, are they talking about it at the same degree? Is sexual assault occurring at the same degree here? Um, or is that something you don't really keep track of? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think it's something we used to keep track of, or I think there's someone um, at our institution who does do that. We don't have any sort of that as far as I know any sort of comparison of how we look compared to other schools um, but we do a campus climate survey every year um, we also do our Clary reports which are on our website they come out I believe every October um, that have the statistics um, on our campus geography of sexual assaults and dating violence and things like that um, so we have those numbers out there but I'm not exactly sure how they compare um, I wouldn't think it would be too different from other colleges and universities just because we all have the same issues with alcohol and you know I mean different schools different sizes different cultures are going to have and climates are going to have different experiences but I wouldn't say it's out of the norm Um, but I think our numbers have been rising with the more that we are advocating for people reporting or um, people looking out for their friends and things like that so I think it's good that we're hearing more so that we can address more of the issue. Um, so that's something that we've seen. Yeah, that's a good point that um, if if there are more more reports, that doesn't mean there's an increase of sexual assault mm-hmm. occurring. It's just that it could just be the increase of people talking about it. Exactly, yeah. If, pe- if places have low numbers, I would be very suspicious of that because that means there are some maybe some things that aren't being talked about or people aren't aware of. Um, so I think that we're, we're doing a good job of reaching out to students and letting them know that they can come to us and that we can help them. That was going to be my next question. If, um, if students can find you easily, I I will say I had a hard time finding the website. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering, um, like how do students find out about your program? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I think a lot of it is word of mouth. Um, I think uh, I've been able to get a lot of word out, but before me being here and before Scott's position, um, it was sort of just Liz doing as much as she can, and she does a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, So it is hard to get the word out, especially when we're up here on the third floor, and, you know, it's kind of hard to find us out here, and especially if it's not something you're looking for and not something that you think that you need are ever going to need those resources, then it sort of slips your mind. Um, so we do try and spread as much awareness, as much outreach as possible. Website. But we definitely try and get our information out there as much as possible. Um, and I think other schools in the humane system know the work that we do here. We often work with them, get calls from them, um, asking questions and wondering about our process to help them do better at their schools. So in the area, I think we're, we're pretty well known, but it's just making sure that we reach out, especially to the new students on campus, letting them know that we're here. And it's definitely hard to do, um, but we try our best. But we would love to sort of increase awareness because um, that's super important.
Well, those were all the questions I had for you. Um, thank you, Ariana, for being on Reproductive Left with me today. Of course. Thank you for having me. And any questions that anyone has about our department or what we do or what we can do better, just let us know. We would we would love to make sure that we're serving everyone the best that we can. And what's the easiest way to reach you? Um, I would say a phone call would work. Um, we're at 207-581-1406. Um, but also our email is on our website, Office of Sexual Assault and Violence Prevention at the University of Maine. It's a long title, um, OSAVP for short, but our, our information is on the website, um, so you should be able to, to access us. And yeah, we're here. We're here to help. So yeah. Thank you again. Yeah, thank you. Before we get to the Ask Mabel segment, I want to once again provide the hotline numbers for anyone who might want to reach out after this interview. If you're in the Bangor area, you can reach Rape Response Services at 800-310-0000. For anyone in Maine, you can find support at 1-800-871-7741 and Nationwide, you can call 1-800-656-HOPE. Welcome to Ask Mabel with nurse practitioner Lindsay Piper. First question for you today, Lindsay, is um, for sexual assault survivors, what can they expect at an appointment at Mabel's? If they've not been here before, we have a nice intake form, um, and on the back there is a section where people can disclose to us uh, privately um, whether or not they've experienced uh, sexual assault, um, assess the safety in their current relationship. So that's a good way for our, uh, the nurse practitioners to get clued in um, about somebody's history. Um, and I would say... Probably both of us bring any client in and, you know, greet them, kind of try to set the tone of a welcoming rapport. Um, And I always ask people um, if there's something specific that they'd like to discuss that day at the visit, um, essentially putting the reins in their hands. Um, You know, why are you here? How can we help you today? Um, you know, of course, as a healthcare provider, that I do have certain priorities with regard to screenings and um, what I think, you know, based on research, the next best steps would be um, in creating a plan for someone's care. Um, however, um, if they don't feel like their needs have been met, then they're less likely to have buy-in or even be able to follow the plan. And so really that's our big focus, I think, is kind of making sure that people feel like they're an equal player here, or not just feel that way, but know that they're an equal player here. Um, And their experience of what's going on for them is um, as important as our ideas as providers um, regarding how to solve things or um, heal things. And I would say we're very um, just sensitive in, in telling people what we're doing next with our exams. Uh, we never just blindly do exams or procedures without thoroughly explaining it beforehand and also as we're doing it. Um, and of course, people always have the opportunity to request to slow down or to stop or revisit 
some aspect of the exam at a later date. Um, yeah, we're, we're not in any hurry to finish things up um, because I think it's important for people to feel well cared for. Um, I think time that we offer them is a big component of that. And do you have any tips for survivors um, as they prepare for their appointment? Yeah, I would I would say as a healthcare provider, it's um, helpful for me um, to know somebody's history with that. Uh, not that I would treat them any differently. Um, and of course, there are probably several people who come and never disclose. And so we always should keep that in mind and, and be very just kind and gentle and safe people whether or not somebody discloses. But I think um, disclosing to your healthcare provider can um, open that door a little bit to the healthcare provider addressing it if it wants to be addressed or if the, if the client wants it to be addressed um, or not, uh, you know, and again, kind of taking their cue. Um, if somebody's feeling particularly anxious, it might um, be helpful for us to know the reasoning behind that and so that we can kind of um, take extra time and really reinforce the idea that they're in charge of their visit um, and could put on the brakes or say, hey, you know what, I, I feel kind of bummed out right now. I need to take a break and can we reschedule or can we finish this up another time? Um, so yeah, I think just if we're sort of on the same page and, and a team working together, um, it, that's helpful. And I encourage people to bring a friend or a support person with them if that seems like that would create more safety for them, especially if um, if we're doing some kind of exam that could be triggering for somebody. Um, and, uh, you know, that can't always be avoided necessarily, but uh, to have a safe person there that feels like they could, you know, they don't mind how hard you squeeze their hand. Great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. That's it for today. Thank you for tuning in. If you have a question for Ask Mabel, visit our new and improved website, mabelwadsworth.org, and click on Contact Us. Thank you for listening to Reproductive Left, produced in collaboration by Mabel Wadsworth Center and Community Radio WERU. If you'd like to listen to past episodes, you can find them on WERU.org in the archives or at MabelWadsworth.org. You can also find us on iTunes, on SoundCloud, or through whatever podcast app you use. Please tune in next time, the first Tuesday of the month at 4.30, right here at Community Radio WERU, 99.9 Bangor, 89.9 Blue Hill, or online at WERU.org.